This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Equity Life. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Welcome to the Equimate Summer Series of 2020 brought to you by Superhero, offering $5 brokerage and also $0 brokerage on all ETFs. Over the next 12 episodes, we're going to be diving into some of Australia's largest and most well-known companies as selected by you, the Equitymates community. We'll be unpacking the company, its industry, the outlooks and key financials. And in some instances, we'll also be taking the tough questions straight to the CEO. As always, to do this, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm good, Bryce. Looking forward to talking about this company, a company that we were struggling to pronounce. Yes. Uh, luckily, we've looked up a YouTube video and listened to someone from their team pronounce it. So today we'll be talking about Bravura. No, Bra- no. <laughs> what, what, what was it? Bravura. Oh, that's what I said. No, you didn't. Bravura. Yes, Bravura. What did I say? Bravura. Uh, I just I combined some letters together. Bravura. Bravura, Bravura Solutions. Solutions. Yes, its ASX ticker is BVS. And this is one of the top rated companies in the Equity Mates community for us to talk about. So I hadn't heard of it before, Bavura Solutions, but uh, it's certainly one that has piqued our interest. It has, it has. So as always, we will be doing this in five parts. We'll be starting with the company summary. We'll then be talking about the industry more broadly. We'll be touching on their future plans and their outlook. Then we'll touch on some financials and finish with evaluation. Good news is this company is profitable, so we can talk valuation. So, Bryce, yes. what does Bravura yes. do? <laughs> Other than create difficult names to pronounce, they develop technology solutions for some of the world's leading financial institutions, primarily in the administration for the funds management sector. 
Yes. So what is Sounds <laughs> boring. Sounds boring. <laughs> hey, but as we've learned, boring companies are sometimes actually the sexiest. That is true. The ones that tick away. And I mean, we've had plenty of instances where we've had fund managers come in and pitch companies that we would never think about looking into. And you're right, are the ones that get market share in a niche area, plug away and give great returns. Yeah. Boring companies create sexy numbers. Maybe that is what we could say. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, let's do a bit of a scene setting, I guess. The problem that Bravura really are tackling is that fund management and wealth management in the 21st century is a complex business. The regulatory compliance is quite complex and it's difficult to manage. There's so many different regulators and different laws that they have to comply with and there's really no margin for error when you're managing other people's money. So you have to be really on the ball when it comes to regulatory compliance. And the other thing is there's a really heavy administrative burden. A lot of these organisations are managing billions of dollars, sometimes hundreds of billions of dollars for thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of customers, few, a few probably even millions of customers and to manage that administrative burden, make sure you know they're really on top of where people's money is, is quite complex. So for the fund management business, there's a clear problem and Bravura have come in with what they think is the best solution. Bravura is a software business. Their key product is a software platform called Sonata, S-O-N-A-T-A. And basically what Sonata does is it centralizes a lot of the regulatory compliance and administrative functions that these fund managers are required to do, and it centralizes it on one apparently easy-to-use software platform. It allows fund managers to develop financial products quickly, has single customer records that shows all of the interactions with their customers in one place, and basically, in a nutshell, what this software platform is designed to do is to reduce complexity and cost and it allows for these managers to scale quickly and to act flexibly, I guess. It's a, a good one in that software as a service space. Yes, yeah. Now, nice. one thing that we haven't touched on too much throughout this series, but is important to go back to occasionally is when we're talking about these pieces of software that we don't use and that you know, we don't have a ready-made way to use it. You can go online and there's plenty of information there. So I did a, I did a bit of Googling before this and just went to see how well their platform has been received in the community of fund managers, I guess. There was a review website that had 33% of its users giving it five stars, 33% four stars and 33% three stars. 67% of respondents would recommend the product, which... It's not knockout numbers. It's not knockout. Yeah, I feel it's not bad. I mean, yeah, if you think about some of the best software platforms in the world, I would hazard a guess that between 98 and 100% of users would recommend Google. <laughs> so, you would think so. <laughs> so if, if that's the high watermark, then 67% isn't great. But I feel 67% isn't bad. Two in three users would recommend it. Mm. I, I don't think that's bad. In terms of a bit about the company history, Ren, Bit of an interesting one, established in 2004 and then listed pretty soon after that on the ASX in 2006. It was then acquired by a private equity firm called Ironbridge Capital. And as a result of that, they delisted from the ASX. I'm assuming that was because they then wanted to rejig the business somewhat and potentially rip out some costs, do what private equity do. And then the result of that is generally to 
sometimes relist the business once it's back up and running in, I guess, a more formidable manner. It relisted again on the ASX in 2016. And since then, Ren is up 175%. So been plugging away. Yeah, not bad. Whatever that uh, private equity firm did mustn't have been too bad. We've seen some horror shows from private equity acquired companies relisting. Dick Smith Electronics being the most famous example of a company that was acquired by private equity relisted and collapsed soon after. But this company, not so much. A bit later, we'll talk about its numbers in in the financials. It's had some pretty strong, steady growth over the four years since it's relisted. But to give you a snapshot of the company today, it's worth about $850 million. That's its market cap. It has had a difficult year in 2020. So year to date, its share price is down about a third, which isn't great. And to give you an idea of its size, it has... 1,400 employees across 18 offices around the world and its systems, this software that it develops, has $2.8 trillion in assets entrusted to it. So $2.8 trillion worth of fund manager and wealth manager, you know, superannuation funds and stuff like that, $2.8 trillion worth of their assets is managed by Bravura's software. So if you turn attention to industry and competitors, Ren, I would imagine that the industry itself is an interesting one. It's servicing businesses that are playing in the management of money, particularly, I guess, for retirement savings, which means that they have a a long-term focus, which would suit the business of Bravura. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an industry that is sort of stable and steady and growing a lot of the time because of government mandates. And I mean, the obvious one as Australian speaking in Australia is superannuation. The pie of superannuation just gets a little bit larger every year as everyone contributes at least 9% of their salary to their super funds. So in terms of having a tailwind, an industry tailwind or an industry that's growing, the funds under management of the industry are just growing year after year after year Mm. after year. Yeah. So it's not a business that I've actually heard of before, so I couldn't tell you any major competitors off the top of my head, but going through the ASX, there are a number that do compete directly with Bravura, and I guess they're companies that provide software solutions for these superannuation funds. So you've got your your Link admin, I think, although Link is a registry, isn't it? I think they offer some superannuation software as well. Yeah, right. So that's ASX LNK. Hub24 is another one. Premium, yeah, yeah, and that's not a typo. That's that's how their name is. Yeah, his <laughs> premium PPS, another weird name. Is this another industry like cybersecurity? And what was one we did I, I recently? Think, that, I um, think the fact of the matter is most companies these days have weird names, and the main reason being it's tough to get a URL out there. <laughs> <laughs> that's the driver. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's lucky we didn't have to do equity mates no vowels With or an something. Eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's not bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then also the big banks offer similar super platforms, superannuation platforms, so your Westpac's ANZ and those sorts of things. Yeah, I don't know if all of them do. When I was reading about its competitors, Westpac definitely do. Yeah. Just before we go on, we just mentioned a bunch of Australian companies there. Yeah. This isn't an Australian business. Like this is a globally focused business that's trying to capture wealth and fund managers from around the world and there are a bunch of overseas companies that are also trying to do similar things. So it's a global market, funds management and software. Yeah, nice. Before we jump into future plans and some financials, we'll take a very short break to hear from our sponsors. 
Ren, so we've touched on a bit about the company history. It's uh, delisting, then relisting. It's pretty strong performance over the last few years. So what's to come for Bravura? This is probably not unique to Bravura. This is probably quite similar to a lot of software businesses. And so there's really five key things that the business is trying to do. So the first thing that we need to establish is that as a software business selling to these large and I guess long-term focused funds, they have quite long contract lengths. So their average contract length is 6.3 years. That's Bravura's average contract length. So really the first thing they're trying to do is sell to new customers and find new clients. And the company has been reporting that COVID has affected their sales cycle and has affected this sort of pillar of their future strategy, I guess. In their earnings call, I was reading one of their transcripts, the CEO was saying that the sales pipeline has lengthened, but nothing has dropped out of the pipeline. I mean, that's a pretty hard thing to, I guess, assess as an everyday investor. But what they're saying is they still expect to be able to sell to new clients. They still expect to be able to tender for new business and respond to you know, requests for pricing from these superannuation funds and stuff like that. But the length of these sales cycles is a little bit longer. At the same time, they're working to expand to new geographies. So new countries where they they don't really have a presence, they're going to try and sell to the fund managers in those countries. One big thing that they did in F20 in terms of selling to new clients and finding new customers, they landed Aware Super, which was First State Super, which is actually Australia's second largest super fund with $130 billion assets under management. I didn't realize they were the second largest wow. super fund. I wasn't aware of aware. First state, that used to be colonial first state. Yeah. Didn't it? yeah, yeah, yeah. The first bit is trying to sell to new customers. The second bit, as with most software businesses, is they're trying to upsell existing customers. And so, you know, there's a whole bunch of features and add-ons and, you know, extra support and bespoke stuff that software businesses can offer their existing clients. And in the length of these longer contracts, you know, six years, 10 years, however long these contracts are, a big part of Bravura's business is to try and upsell their existing clients. A big part of that upsell is their cloud-based platform. Classic. We'll get to that under the third tenant, which is they want to develop new products. And so I mentioned at the top that their key software product was Sonata. I don't believe that was a cloud product or a software as a service product because in F20, they launched Sonata Alter and that's their cloud version of this product and their software as a service version. And, you know, it's got all the bells and whistles that all these software businesses talk about powered by cloud computing, artificial intelligence and automation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The buzzwords. So the old school Sonata may have arrived on a CD-ROM. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. Maybe a server, but yeah. A floppy floppy disk. USB. (laughs) In terms of developing new products more generally, in FY20, $36 million was invested in product development. I think over the life of their Sonata product, they've invested about $210 million in its development. And the company reported that of its 1,400 employees, 84% of them were software engineers and consultants. So this is a business that understands that it's a software business and is working and investing in improving its software. (laughs) It's your classic software as a service blueprint for growth, which also, I guess, extends across many different businesses, but it's your classic improve existing customers, 
buy new customers and also build new product and yeah, innovate. Yeah, have a pipeline of new products. <laughs> and, yeah, then yeah, the yeah. and then then what we're seeing at the moment, you know, the sales forces of the world is acquire, acquire, acquire. Yes, yes. Is Bravura acquiring. Yes, Bravura are acquiring. So in FY20, they acquired two companies, one called Midwinter and one called Phenocomp. Two companies that I believe are extremely well known by you. Yes, yeah, love the names. <laughs> Even in FY21, by the time they were actually reporting their FY20 results, so early in the financial year 21, they'd already acquired another company, Delta Financial Systems. So acquire, acquire, acquire is definitely part of their strategy, a key part of their strategy. Are they acquiring competitors or add-ons? A lot of the time they're add-ons. Yeah. So they're acquiring these companies that have, I guess, complementary products that mm. can be added to the Sonata ecosystem. Mm, mm. I guess, I mean... Sonata Alta. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think. mean, for me, in terms of an analogy, I just keep thinking of Salesforce. Yeah, same. Yeah. A, a software business that has a platform that has a bunch of customers and they just keep rolling up other software businesses that can bolt on additional functionality, i.e. Salesforce acquiring Slack recently. Yeah. In terms of the new acquisitions, in FY20, their revenue grew 6%. Of that, 80% of their revenue growth came from their acquisitions. So 5% came from acquisitions and then 1% was organic growth. So I think mm. that's an important thing to keep in mind. You want to see companies that can acquire companies and that can add revenue from those acquisitions, but then can still continue a strong organic growth trajectory as well. So I said there would be five things and we've we've really covered it in four, but to recap, sell to new clients, upsell existing clients, develop a product pipeline, acquire complementary businesses. The final one, which we've kind of touched on throughout is just invest in improving their existing products. And the company reported that in FY20 for its you know existing Sonata platform, it improved its digital functionality, tax capabilities, legislative program, and capacity to service diverse income streams. We should mention that Sonata isn't their only platform. It's just their, their big dog. major one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's really what the company sees as its outlook in terms of the industry outlook. I think we all sort of understand where the fund management and especially the superannuation business is heading. There's a legislated increase in superannuation that's currently being debated in Australia. Should it go from 9% to 12%? There's more focus on retirement savings around the world. More and more governments are looking at 401ks in the US and other retirement savings programs around the world. And so I think in terms of the industry, the industry is growing. There's new managers that are being started to manage this money. And so Bravura's business is to just try and increase their market share in that market. Yeah, nice. So in terms of the financials, FY20 delivered $274 million in revenue, up 6%, $40 million profit, which was up 22%. Now, when it comes to software as a service businesses, there are two key things to consider when looking at their revenue structure, and that is recurring revenue as well as operating leverage. Operating leverage is Ren's new buzzword, so I will <laughs> I will let him talk to that. But in terms of recurring revenue, pretty straightforward. 
you're looking for the ability for these companies to lock in revenue that is going to continue consistently over a period of time. And that's where the, the length of these contracts come into play. Their recurring revenue has grown 7% in FY20 and contributes 70% of group revenue. 77%. Sorry, 77%. The reason recurring revenue is important is because it removes the lumpiness and the risk when it comes to your revenue numbers. If you're looking at a business that is driven by commodity prices or not being able to, I guess, lock in longer term contracts or subscription businesses is a great example of recurring revenue. It's a lot easier to forecast businesses and the discounted cash flow model with businesses that generate consistent and good recurring revenue. So this is one of those businesses. Yeah, it's a reward for effort play, I would say. Like if you have a sales team of three people and they can go and sell three contracts that create five years of recurring revenue and then those three salespeople can go and try and sell to three more customers. Mm. That's a lot better reward for effort than, you know, relying on those three salespeople to continue to go back to the same companies and try and sell to them again and say, you know, you're 12 months is up, we need to sell to you again. You loved that bottle of wine last week. Here it is again. Yeah, yeah, don't talk to my competitors. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, like long-term contracts in almost any industry are critical and software as a service is just this beautiful technological innovation that really facilitates Mm. recurring revenue. Mm. So as investors, that's a really good thing to see and as a company, it makes your life easier. So yeah, recurring revenue, number one. And number two is operating leverage. As you said, it's one of my favorite buzzwords. Yeah. Ever since Microsoft reported recently and for every incremental dollar of sales they made, 70% of that was just pure profit. Like you just see the power of these businesses once they get to a scale. And because they have, you know, they have a lot of fixed costs, but once they cover those fixed costs, they have very minor variable costs. The cost to distribute software over the internet is marginal, it's low. And so, you know, once you've developed your software, the most customers you can sell it to just... You, you start to see that money just flow straight from sales to profit. So if we look at, I've forgotten their name, Bravura. Brev, Bravura. Bravura. <laughs> I knew I would do that at some point. <laughs> just pronounce the U as a Bravura. U. Bravura. Bravura. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's have a look at their numbers since they relisted. So between financial year 17 and financial year 20, they've increased their revenue from 192 million to 271 million, which is an annual growth rate of 12.2%. In that same time, they've taken their profit from 14 million to 40 million, which is an annual growth rate of 42%. And so you can see there that the profit number is growing a lot faster than the revenue number. That's what you want to see. Um, It means that for each incremental dollar, more is flowing straight to profit. If you look at what that means in terms of profit margin, over the past four years, their profit margin has gone from 7% to 12% to 13% to 15%. And that's, again, a really good indication of operating leverage. If you just look at the difference between FY19 and FY20, they added $16.5 million in revenue. And of that, they added $7.3 million in profit. Wow. So... That, that's what you like to see. Like, as they add more revenue, their costs aren't scaling at the same rate, which means more of that money is turning into profit, which is what you'd expect to see in a software business, but it's, it's great to see in a software business. Nice. So pretty solid in terms of evaluation, Ren. Well, before we do, there's yeah. one final thing we have to say about the financials, and that is analysts 
are expecting their numbers to be down for F21. So not just the growth rate to be down, but for their their actual. actual revenue and their actual profit to be lower than it was in the previous year, which isn't a good sign. <laughs> the analyst expectations are that then they will return to growth in F22 and be higher than they are in F20. But that's probably an important call out because the last four years have looked good, grinding that revenue number up, increasing that profit number. But analysts have expectations that their numbers may be or will be down for F21. So then if we just quickly turn our attention to a valuation for this one, Ren, the DCF currently trading at what, $3.46 thereabouts, assuming all other inputs have been the same. So what, a 10% risk? Yeah, what we've been using throughout this 10% discount rate, 3% growth rate after the initial period. Which is a classic. So assuming what, a growth rate of 41.9%. So 41.9% is their profit growth rate for the last four years. Pretty significant. If you if you extrapolate that out over the next five years, you get a scratch under $6. Yeah. If you take the revenue growth rate of 12% and you say that continues over the next five years, you get a value of $2.13. And so that's probably the range... That, that you'd be looking at in terms of bullish and bearish cases. I mean, you could go even more bearish and say, I expect them to actually not grow or to to get smaller. But given the nature of this business, long-term contracts, recurring revenue, you wouldn't expect that. Mm. So you'd probably say, depending on how bullish or bearish you are, that might be the range you're looking at between mm. sort of $2 a share and $6 a share as fair value. Then you... You know, if you want to take the next step, you can start assigning probabilities to each of those and then come up with fair value. But it feels like the market is pricing in this FY21 slip, but then we'll see what happens after that. Nice one. So another good company to put on the watch list. It's great doing this series to get companies across our radar that we've never heard of. So thank you to the Equity Mates community for putting this one in front of us. It was uh, it was good fun to deep dive into. So Bravura solutions asx bvs a massive thank you to our sponsors for the equity mates summer series of 2020 superhero they are offering five dollar brokerage and also zero dollar brokerage on etfs so if you're looking to buy bravura or any of the companies we've spoken about in the summer series or build your core portfolio of etfs whatever it may be head across and check out their state-of-the-art platform and sign up at superhero.com.au today. So that's a wrap. Yep. We'll leave it there and close it out next week with a company that I don't think we've spoken about before, but looking forward to it. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.